If you would, please open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 24 and then put finger there and turn over to Matthew chapter 7. But before we get there, let me ask you, how many of you like a good comic? Do any of you read the comics? Would you like to see a couple tonight to get us started? A little, just a little family humor? She says, Stan, will you knock it off? He will walk when he's ready to walk. Just like a dad. How many of you remember the Cabbage Patch craze of a number of years ago? Well, here's a little spin on that. The little fellow says, oh no, I've been cloned. <laughs> There's too much of a resemblance there, folks. And mom says, quit complaining and eat it. Number one, chicken soup is good for the flu. Number two, it's nobody we know. <laughs> and that's just like a mom, isn't it? He says, apparently I have done something to upset you. <laughs> now, <clears throat> I have a couple of these kits in my car that I brought along if anyone would like to get one, purchase one after tonight. Trying to be helpful and sensitive on her birthday, he says, I figured you should have breakfast in bed on your birthday. Can you reach the stove okay? <laughs> and my favorite, where are my hunters? Do I have any hunters in the audience? This, this is for you. And the wife says, wait a minute. Why aren't you wearing a lucky hat? <laughs> a little slow there, but you know, I never have to explain that wherever I go. Well, real quickly, because of time, let me ask you a couple questions here just to kind of use this as a stepping stone. In your opinion, what is happening to our Christian marriages and Christian families today? Real quickly, just tell me some things. What do you think is happening across this United States and across our brotherhood in marriages and families? Becoming more and more like the world, unfortunately. What else? Yes, it seems like it's just getting more and more, people are getting more and more away from the faith. I don't know about you, but it seems like the weekends are just as busy as the weekdays anymore. Even though the divorce rate has leveled off, there's still a lot of turmoil in marriages. How about this second one? What would you suggest if you had the opportunity to come to Freed Hardeman and stand in front of our young people and I wanted you to tell them one thing, the most important thing from your heart and mind about building a strong, healthy, happy family, what would you tell them? What one suggestion would you tell them? Stay close to God. Look for a Christian mate. Pray together. Know God first and foremost. What else? What else would you say? It is a commitment. Well, we want to talk about some of those things tonight, and I wish we just had more time to get more things said from the audience. But because of time, let's move on. In the book of Joshua, we see that he was the successor of Moses training under Moses' leadership, and watching his example for many years. Moses, as well as Joshua, shared an unquenchable faith in God. And although Moses led the people out of Egypt, Joshua led them out of the promised land. Joshua acknowledged God in his decision-making, although God's battle plan for Jericho probably sounded unmilitary to a soldier like Joshua. 
He followed the instructions precisely. He sought God's direction and obeyed it even when it didn't match his own hunches. He practiced the priceless lesson that God does not offer guidance as an optimal suggestion. God's way is the way. The Israelites were constantly tempted to yield to prevailing pagan rites. Joshua demonstrated a finely honed resistance to those temptations and often delivered sharp exhortations against pagan idolatry. Joshua made the decision to remain faithful. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Became a powerful statement of his allegiance to God. Today, when the world, and they're working hard, of calling us off to pleasure, power, and riches, we too need to say, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The Gospel of Matthew was written for the purpose of revealing that Jesus of Nazareth was actually the king of the Jews. The seventh chapter ends with the parable of the wise and the foolish builders. We read about that in verses 24 through 27, which is a parallel to Luke chapter 6, 46 through 49. As we look at this passage, Jesus says, the only way to build a strong foundation is by obeying his words. He begins his parable in verse 24 with the word, therefore, which looks back to the entire Sermon on the Mount. In light of his teaching, Jesus says, everyone who hears these words and acts on them may be compared to a wise man which built his house on the rock. By using the word everyone, Jesus reveals his words are intended for all people. And in verse 25, we discover why. We discover why it's so critical to build on a strong foundation. Jesus says, And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Jesus does not say, if the rain falls, if the floods come, or if the winds blow, he says, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against the house. While obedience to Jesus' words is not a protection from the challenges or the storms of life, it definitely a protection in the challenges that come to us in life. Well then, how do we do it? How do we storm-proof our families? How can we, like Joshua say, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord? Very quickly, I would like to introduce you to two of my former professors, Dr. Nick Stenay and Dr. John Dufresne that I met at the University of Nebraska. Their research was entitled Strong Families. Nick and John knew, they knew, just like many of us know what it does to crumble a family, to destroy a marriage. But Dr. Stenay said, let's find out what 
literally keeps people together. You know, like Paul Harvey used to say, those 50-year tournament of roses marriages. Nick started this research project in Oklahoma. After that, he moved to the University of Nebraska, become the chair of the Department of Family Studies, and carried on that study for eight years there. And then Pepperdine called him to come and be a dean in California, and he took the project with him there and continued that for five years, looking at families in South America. And then he got to return home to the University of Alabama, where he is today, where he's continued this research looking at European families, and now Nick is looking at Russian families. This project has lasted for a number of years. Anyone who knows anything about research is that the longevity as well as the replication, then it has something to say. And this is exactly what this project has done. From all the research of the past years, we're now able to isolate six traits that appear in strong, healthy, happy families. And when the study, as I've already mentioned, has been replicated, very similar results have been found over these almost 40 years. And this study has gained national and international attention. And very quickly, I'd just like to run through those six qualities with you tonight. Number one, strong families express appreciation. Isn't it interesting that we gravitate towards people who make us feel needed, wanted, and appreciated? Make us feel welcome, and we literally try to back away or run away from those who do not offer those qualities. Appreciation must be expressed if relationships are to grow. Relationships do not grow when people feel used or abused or neglected or unappreciated. Strong families deeply care for one another. They take each other into consideration. They make each other feel good about being a part of the family and the contributions that they make. These families also rephrase negative or critical expressions into more positive statements. Just one slight example. Instead of, you always leave the car on empty. Maybe a better way of saying it is, you know, I get nervous when the car's on empty. Would you help me to keep the car full in case we have an emergency? They, they switch the negative into the more positive they work daily at making their home and their relationships positive by sharing their feelings. You know it, and I know it. Positive breeds positive, and negativity brings, breeds negativity. Families can create either wellness or illness. The choice is ours. But these strong families, they build each other up, a pat on the back, they make each other feel good by sharing compliments and saying thank you. Strong families thank each other in a number of ways through those written text messages or emails, behavioral ways like affection and hugging and kissing, or in verbal ways that say, I really appreciate you. They continually express appreciation, not just on birthdays or anniversaries or holidays, but every day. The Bible speaks about the need to express appreciation. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11 it says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up 
Oh, how we need that. As Christians, we live in a very precarious position of being in the world, but not of the world. We meet frustration and discouragement at every turn. Surely, surely we can make our biological and our spiritual families different from the way the world treats us. And when we start building up one another and not tearing each other down, we bring transformation into our families and make it a haven from all the world's ills. Quality number two, they spend time together. When 1,500 school children were asked, what makes a happy family? Overwhelmingly, they responded with, a happy family spends time together and do things together. As simple as this sounds, many couples and many families have not figured out the importance of this simple and yet very powerful factor. The professionals that I listen to as I go to different conferences have said over the last few years that this one quality may be the biggest single enemy of today's family. Couples and families not spending time together. I'd just like for you to think about two questions here. I wish we had time to answer. But why is it that families are finding it harder and harder and harder in being together? And the second side of that question, what are some of your favorite family memories? Well, believe it or not, the answer is the same for both questions. Time together. Time together. Strong families enjoy building memories. They genuinely enjoy being together. Many of these families have daily or weekly or seasonal rituals, holiday traditions. They help lead a greater feeling of connection and security and stability when they spend time together and do these rituals together. According to Dr. James Dobson, most of the values and beliefs that our children learn are caught more than taught just through observing us as a family. Strong families do a great many things together. They eat together. They work together. Now, folks, I know we're in the midst of a Bible study tonight, but I want to show you one of my favorite pictures. I've never wanted much in life. Just a John Deere lawn tractor. I have a pretty good size yard, and I just have wanted a lawn tractor. And you say, well, Mike, you're a pretty good-sized boy. You need a push more. Well, I'll tell you, I have a push more, and this is not a two-way conversation, so I don't need your comments. <laughs> it was 11 o'clock. My meeting was canceled. I thought, I've got time. I'm going to run home and see Sandy and the kids. And when I got there, now these are not actual pictures of my neighbors, but these are pictures of what I witnessed when I pulled into my driveway that Miss Janice, right across the road from us, was out on her lawnmower mowing the yard. And the lady right next to us, Miss Linda, she was out on her riding lawnmower mowing the yard. And then the little elderly widow lady next to Miss Linda was out with her lawnmower mowing the yard. And then a new couple had just moved in down to the cul-de-sac and the young mama was out weed eating. And I said, Sazam. And I went in and I got Sandy. And I took her out in the driveway and I pointed her to each one of these ladies and activities. And I said, what do you see? 
and she looked at me and she said, one of your dreams that'll never come true, and went back in the house. I said, strong families work together. She said, not this time, Buster. What's a marriage and family teacher to do? Strong families work together. They laugh together. They play together. They enjoy their hobbies and recreational activities. Strong families do a lot of family discussion and decision-making. Not only did they talk to one another, but they listen to one another. I know some of you are old enough in this room that you've heard the old cliche, the children need to be seen and not heard. Can I tell you something? The research doesn't point that out. Children need to be included in conversations. Oh yes, mom and dad have 51% of the vote but children need to be involved. And when they are, they feel more, more a part of the family unit. They feel like they're important. They feel like they're making a contribution, just like we like to be heard. Sometimes certain family members spend individual time together. Moms are very important in those younger years. But dads, can I tell you something? When your kiddos reach puberty, you become the primary factor in their lives. Dads need to spend more time with those adolescent girls and those young boys to help formulate their personalities and their social skills and their motivation and their work ethic. These families are good at balancing quality time and quantity time. The study came out of Michigan State not too many years ago, and they asked the question, um, which is more important, quality time or quality time? Well, guess what? The study showed you're not going to have quality time unless you have a pool of quantity time to pull from. And it goes back to the saying, we need to spend time together. These families are always in a state of evaluation. On one occasion, Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, verse 4, let the little children come unto me. I don't know about you, but when I have this idea in my mind as I read this passage, I don't think it was one of those Olin Mill pictures like we have in those children's study books when they're children of Jesus setting and all the kids sitting on the rock around him. I promise you one of them was trying to undo his sandals. And one of them was pulling on the rope that held his tunic. One was trying to crawl up under the tunic. And I know that someone was trying to get on his shoulders. And Jesus said, let them come unto me. Jesus wanted to share time and space with those who wanted to be with Him. What an example! On another occasion, Jesus advised some rest and solitude for Himself and His disciples. In Mark chapter 6 and verse 31 we read, because they did not have a chance to eat, Jesus said, come with Me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. I think what Jesus is saying here is if we don't come together, we're going to fall apart. What better example do we have than Jesus himself? Number three, strong families utilize and display good communication patterns. As children, we said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Cute, but very wrong. And in Job chapter 19 and verse 2, we read, How long will you torment me? Crush me with your words. Research shows good communication skills are the bedrock of any marriage and family relationship. Successful families have good communication patterns. It's not enough that they just spent time in the same vicinity. 
They interacted with one another. They talked and listened to one another. Weak families are so fragmented and spend so little time together that they often communicate through what's called rumors. Many times dad only knows what the kids are doing because mom tells him and not spending time together and not talking directly. It's been said that communication to a relationship is like blood to the body. With it you have life. Without it you have death. Poor communication breeds distance, frustration, coldness, anger, misunderstanding, and defensiveness. And good communication breeds closeness, understanding, warmth, and commitment. Even the little things were important to these families. These families not only spent time together, not only did they eat together, work together, but they laughed together. Laughter reduces tension. They had a family sense of humor. They teased one another when they did listen. They practice good eye contact. Those experts in communication will tell you, you can really tell if someone's listening to you, if they're trying to understand what you're saying, if they're maintaining <coughs> eye contact. Someone has said, winners listen, losers just wait their turn to express their opinions. These strong families are not perfect, just like you and me. They have squabbles, they have disagreements, but they're committed to working those squabbles out. Oh yes, they may part for a little bit, time to cool down, and yet they come back together to talk, to understand the conflict, and try to come to some sort of understanding and compromise. They discuss, they negotiate, and they resolve their conflict. All families have conflict, but successful families are able to bring that conflict out in the open and deal with it honestly, instead of just sweeping it under the carpet or trying to walk away from it and forget it. Oh, I wish we had time to have just one lesson on resolving conflict within our families. Also for these families, most of the talk was positive. They displayed what we call the 80-20 rule. Stop and think about this. Is your communication more positive or more negative? The communication experts tell us that if your talk, your communication, your words, your messages are 80% positive, you're doing a good job. If it's 80% negative, then they say you might need to work on that a little bit. These strong families, the communication started with mom and dad. Mom and dad knew the importance of what they say in front of their kids. Oh, if we could just remember that. If we could think about the words that we're about to speak and maybe run those through a filter and maybe evaluate whether we need to say, you know people, I know people. Well, I've just got to get this off my chest. I've just got to give you a piece of my mind, which they didn't have a whole lot to give away. But, you know, I just need to say this. And so many times people don't think before they say something or before they send that text message or how about this, before they make that posting on Facebook. I just love bloopers. I don't know about you. But over the years, I've collected some church bloopers that have come out in church bulletins. You know what I'm talking about? How about this one? Bob Belch, our missionary from Africa, will be speaking tonight at our evening service. Come and hear Bob Belch all the way from Africa. <laughs> Ladies, don't forget the community rummage sale this weekend at Market Square. It's a chance to get rid of all those things that are just taking up space around the house. Don't forget to bring your husband. <laughs> don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. <laughs> <laughs> 
the ladies of the church have cast out have cast off clothing of every kind. They may be seen in the basement on Friday afternoon. <laughs> Barbara remains in the hospital having a hard time sleeping. She requests tapes of last week's sermons. <laughs> and, and two of my favorite. Weight Watchers will meet next Tuesday at 7 o'clock. Please use the large double doors at the side of the entrance. Sunday morning sermon, Jesus walks on water. Sunday night sermon, searching for Jesus. And those are all real, too. I did not make those up. I've collected those over here. No one wants to feel alone in the world. The prophet Elijah became despondent when he thought that he was the only one who stood up for God. Feeling alone carries a mixture of terror and despair. But God assured Elijah that he was not alone. We need to assure our family members that they're not alone. One of my favorite passages is from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 through 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every other form of malice. I love this next part. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Well, because of time. Quality number four. These families expressed over and over again was having a high degree of religious orientation. This is the one quality that literally surprised a number of people as well as researchers out here in the marriage and family field. These strong families went to church together. They participated in religious activities together. Most of them, although not all of them, were members of organized churches. There are indications that this religious quality went deeper than just going to church or participating in religious activities. They said over and over again that this commitment literally gave them a spiritual lifestyle. Words are really inadequate to try to communicate this to you tonight. But they said over and over again that their religion, their faith, gave them a sense of purpose, a sense of support and strength for their marriage and for their family. This awareness of this power in their lives helped them to be more patient with each other, more forgiving, quicker to get over anger, more positive and more supportive in their relationships. Spiritual foundations offer many guidelines for daily living. I think that's one reason that you're here tonight. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, we learned that especially in verse 6, that God declares that God's word was to be passed on from generation to generation. Parents were charged with the responsibility of passing on their faith to their children. Note, however, the phrase, these words shall be upon your heart. And then verse 7 says, impress them on your children. We as parents cannot teach our children and our grandchildren about the love of God if we have not experienced that love ourselves. Verse 7 also reminds parents to instruct their children in a very comprehensive way, the way of daily living. When you're sitting together, when you're walking together, when you lie down, when you rise up, basically us living day by day by day, living together in a family unit, supporting encouraging and teaching one another. Again, we cannot give what we do not possess. 
We cannot impart or teach our children or grandchildren the importance of God's love and observing His commandments if it's not a priority in our own lives. Yes, we know that there are persons who are not religious and have very happy marriages and good family relationships. Nevertheless, research indicates a positive relationship between religion and marital and family happiness and stability. We can only pass on our Christian faith to our children if they see some direct benefit in improving the quality of our lives together. Does Christianity work? Does God really make a difference in our daily lives? These questions demand honest answers. And honest answers come from honest living. Parents in successful families are not afraid to live out their values, their faith, in front of their children. This provides the children with a basis of learning what's right and what's wrong, what's important in life. Oh, I wish we had more time. But quality number five, strong families are not immune to trouble, but they're able to cope and stress with crisis. Not that they like crisis by no means, but again, they're able to tackle whatever comes along. People in strong families still live in the real world. They know that crisis will come, that things will happen. Not that they enjoy crisis, they're just realistic. They're just honest. They have an ability to deal with both stress and crisis in ways that are constructive and effective, not demeaning or destructive. They manage to make it through by seeing something positive and by coming together and by working together. They unite and pull together. You know, there really is something to that old 60s song that says, united we stand, divided we fall. There's a lot of truth in that. These families are able to unite in dealing with crisis instead of being fragmented by it. They deal with the problem instead of pointing and fixing blame. They're supportive of each other. They're able to give practical aid. How about this? To give emotional support and cooperate in carrying out solutions that they know they need as a family. Strong families believe in and practice trust in one another. They see crisis as an opportunity to work together and to grow through whatever has come their way. The Chinese have a symbol for this. When they make that symbol for, for crisis, it stands for danger as well as opportunity. These strong families remain flexible and adaptable. And when the storm is over, the family is still together and they're still standing. They rely heavily on their faith in God in difficult times. These families are able to trust and remember what James' instructions are in James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4. They're able to consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, and not lacking anything. Well, number six, here's a quality that has fallen on hard times. Strong families are committed to one another. 
just like you mentioned earlier. Members of strong families are committed and dedicated to promoting each other's welfare and each other's happiness. Commitment creates this warm, loving environment which allows family members to grow. It offers a harbor that shelters family members from the destructive forces that the world throws at us. At the heart of commitment is the family unit dedicated to the marriage relationship. Many of you have probably heard this before, but one of the greatest gifts that parents can give their children is a strong, healthy marriage to observe and to grow up under. God sees the commitment of husband and wife to each other so crucial to families that he robustly condemns any violation of that marital commitment in Matthew chapter 19. Commitment means to be there and not to abandon each other. But I think it goes further. We will do whatever it takes to love each other throughout our life together. If I were to ask you to take out a piece of paper and write a definition of commitment. Could you do that? Could you write a definition of commitment? You think you could do that? Well, I'm not going to ask you to do that because I brought one for you. Would you like to see it? Commitment. Going after Moby Dick with a harpoon in one hand and a jar of tartar sauce in the other. That's commitment. And that's the kind of commitment we need in our marriages and in our families. Strong families invest much of their time and their resources into the family. These families take the initiative and structure a lifestyle in a way that enhances the quality of their relationships and their satisfaction. Commitment does not mean, however, that family members stifle each other, smother one another. They give each other freedom to grow and to be their own person and yet still come back together to be committed and to work together. You know and I know that we're all different. And one of the greatest tasks is to blend those differences together and to stand together and to work together through it all. And when life becomes too hectic, these families literally took out the knife and carved away some of those activities that was keeping them from being together. They made a decision. They were committed because the family unit was important and that they enjoyed being together and they made it happen. And because of this commitment, these families are very stable, very responsible. Family was at the center of their heart and their mind and their actions. I've heard Dr. Stenay say many times, this is the quality that is the glue that holds families together. Well, what have we learned? Very quickly, we've learned that family interaction will either enhance or hinder. These qualities develop a sense of we if we put them into practice. That strong families see family as a place of refuge and support and acceptance. These qualities can be learned and put into practice. Oh yes, it takes some time. It takes some practice. But we can learn to put them into our family lives. And families literally have to be made. It does not happen magically or easily. Strong families are willing to express appreciation, enjoying time together, utilize positive communication, have a deep sense of a faith, a religious orientation. They cope with crisis when they come, and they display commitment to the family. 
I would like to end with the last couple minutes that I have with this story. You may have heard the story before, but I think it's worth hearing again. It's a story about a wise old man who lived high on a mountain in Tibet. All the villagers knew of his wisdom and respected it. When they would admit their personal ignorance, they would climb the mountain for his advice. And when they did, they were always rewarded. Well, a group of teenagers wanted to see if they could stump, if they could outwit the old man. So they decided that they too would climb the mountain and one person would hold a hummingbird cupped in his hands and then they would approach the old man with the question, Oh, wise man, is this hummingbird alive or is he dead? If the old man responded that he was alive, the boy would crush the bird and then would show the man that the bird was dead. If the old man said that the bird was dead, the boy would open his hands and the bird would fly away. The plan was set. The boys took the bird to the old man and asked the question, Oh, wise man, is this hummingbird alive or is it dead? The wise old man answered quietly and said, Son, that is entirely in your hands, what you do with your family. And the families of this congregation and the families of this community is entirely in your hands. Tonight, I pray that God will bless your hands and your heart as you meet the challenges before you. Once again, thank you. Thank you for allowing me to come and spend a few minutes with you. Let's end tonight's lesson with a prayer. Would you please pray with me? Holy Father, we thank you so very much for this day that you've given us. Father, we're thankful for every person, for every marriage, and for every family that's represented here tonight. And Father, we ask that you look down upon us and bless us. And Father, you know better than we that many times life is a challenge and a struggle. But we're so thankful that you have given us marriage and you've given us families to help us make it through those struggles and to enjoy each other and to grow closer together. Father, please bless us tonight. You know that we're not perfect but, Father, we pray that you will help us to be more like your Son each day and in every way. Father, be with us as we go to our homes tonight, to our beds of rest. And if it be your will that you will allow us to arise tomorrow to work, not only at our occupations, but to work for you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his life and his death. And Father, we pray to have a home in heaven with you someday. And it's in his name again we pray. Amen.